The Map Room, a business owner's guide to the art of harnessing choice. The podcast that explores the world of business through the decisions owners face and the choices they create. Join the conversation with Paul Barnes and Stuart Brown as they walk through some of the toughest decisions you have to make while leading a business and how understanding the choices can be used to guide strategy and optimize outcomes. Brought to you by Map and a host of special guests. Well, hello, and thank you for joining us once more in the Map Room. Today, sat around the table with me is a real doyan of digital, maybe even the king of e-commerce. Uh, we have the founder and managing director of Space 48, John Woodall. John, morning to you, and welcome to the Map Room. Thanks for having me, Stuart. I don't think I've ever been introduced like that before, but thank you. You are welcome. I'm glad we've got you in today because... I think your journey is different to many of the agencies I know and come across and and work with through MAP. And I think that there's a lot that our listeners will get from you sharing your journey um, because you have gone through many of the steps that a lot of our listeners are either considering or aspiring to. And I mean by that start-up, scale-up, including uh, scale up by uh, organic and by acquisition, which hopefully we'll talk about later, and then through to um, evidently sale, albeit partial, or what I'd like to refer to as almost value extraction, and we'll and we'll talk about that. So I think there's a lot that um, our listeners will get. So again, thank you so much for your time. So I want to sort of press the rewind button and go back to the uh, early days of uh, your business and your journey, because a lot of the agencies we work with, the business exists as a vehicle for a craft. So they will be potentially a creative designer, a UX designer, a software developer, or the like. And the agency exists as a way of um, facilitating that craft into the clients. But you had a very different journey into this sort of agency life and digital space. So talk through your introduction and where that came from. Um, an accident, really. And and I think if most business people are honest, they'd say it was an accident. You'd have to say that. Um, some people that, you know, you listen to or read books of, they have this grand vision of something going in a certain direction and it just blows you away with what they're able to achieve. Um, well, either unfortunately or fortunately enough, I'm not gifted with any of that. At best, I'm a solid six out of ten at everything I do. If there's one thing I'm good at, it's grafting, working hard, um, I'm a 10 out of 10 when it comes to consistency. Like I'll turn up every time without a shadow of a doubt. But um, when, you, when you're not, when you're not um, gifted with lots of different skills or a craft as you refer to it as, then you don't, you don't really have that choice necessarily. So that, that um, uh, put me in a position where I was in business and I always thought, well, I think, I think I'm going to do something business related. I was in another business at a time and I guess I was the person in that bis- business that was... Um, that had an interest at least or thought that it was something in digital tech. So I had, I'd always had an, an interest in it, but I would never profess to be anyone that's got, you know, uh, a craft, as you call it. Yeah. Oh, you never struck me as a geek or a nerd either, John, so... I am a bit of a geek, though, okay. you know. Not, not, in a, not, in a, not, not in a, you know, a, uh, like an engineering sense, but, but a geek when it comes to learning. I love learning. I really... And I'm not, I'm not going to profess to be an academic... I'm not going to profess to be anything that, that I'm not, but do I have a, a thirst for learning and understanding how things work? Absolutely. And if I can see a purpose and a reason behind it, then I'm interested. 
so I suppose there's there's definitely that that business side of me where I go there's an opportunity to create something there there's an opportunity to build something and maybe when I knit together my my interest let's say in digital and tech and my, my my passion more for for business and growing teams and getting groups of people together and having a good time and enjoying my, enjoying what I do with groups of people like spending time with that's that's where I guess the opportunity sort of comes from so from being in another business where I was the the person who had the interest at least in digital and tech um I, by accident fell into uh, to to digital and tech where someone said to me oh, I've seen you I've seen you done x y and z with this business how do you do it my first answer was well go and speak to an agency you know you need to find someone that does this 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 i'd work with agencies i'd self-taught myself some of the stuff or enough of what i needed to know and then eventually got asked to 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 help someone out with with a with a piece of work where they they said they wanted to pay me for it so i thought well, that, that's a that's a good opportunity yeah. and i can't turn it down brilliant so uh Okay, that's that's interesting. I mean, I was aware of some of that, but not not all of it. I think um, I think you give you I think you play yourself down there in terms of um, consistency. Yes, you know, and and obviously we can see you know the consistency of delivery has been incredible, and we'll talk about that later. But I think um, you, you're therefore suggesting to me that a lot of people in the space you're in can often be sort of software engineers but what you're saying is maybe your mindset's more that's so your mindset's more of an engineer in terms of if I can understand it see the logic in doing something then I can see that through as a, as a process and I, and I do think many people who you know um target growth in their business don't understand that it's a process you have to put behind it these things don't just happen we've I, I, I totally agree with you that you know lots of these things happen by circumstance and, and luck plays a huge part but if you're not following that process you, you're chasing your tail and going going round so I, I want to ask a very specific question and this is the industry it's not truth or dare it's is this is this myth or reality space 48. So Paul tells me Space 48 was your parking space. Is that true? It's true. Fantastic. <laughs> it's true. Well, it's it's true in part. Um, uh, when we when we first moved to an office that we had in Birchwood Park in Warrington, we actually had two spaces. We had Space 47 and Space 48. So when we moved into the offices and we were sort of coming up with a name, I realised that I was sat in a parking space that day and I thought you know well that's actually where I was sat when I thought oh it's a real business now it's not a friend who's asked me to help me out with a bit of stuff I'm turning it into a business and I'm employing people and bringing people into the company it spoils the story a little but I was actually sat in space 47 (laughs) but space 48 sounds better than 47 yeah it does so well you probably wouldn't have seen 47 on your car would you just seen 48 but it rolls off the tongue definitely better well what actually happened i was reversing out of 47 (laughs) and my lights went across 48 at night and i went Ah. there you go that's that's a good one right there so that's how it ended up and from then on i parked in space 48 that's brilliant that's brilliant so talk us through there so again that's interesting so you you started a business and as i say about your journey not being particularly atypical so you've started a business there, you've got an office space, you don't even have an identity at that point. You've created your name later. So talk us through maybe those those early challenges, the first few years. What were the what were the things that you needed to, you know, what did you need to lose sleep over and what did you maybe unnecessarily lose sleep over? I didn't lose sleep over much, to be honest with you. I think, um, like, if you, st- if you start from nowhere, 
then any then any step forward you take is is an improvement. So so your expectations are, are low, but I guess your dreams and ambitions are, are bigger. I don't really know what I was trying to achieve at that point, and I'm not certainly not trying to say on this podcast today that you know oh look what I've done it's you know something that anyone else can't do. I think it's I think it's perfectly possible for anyone to do it given the right let's just say the right circumstances to to be presented to you. So um, the the early challenges were you know just just um, learning about business really just just sort of failing forward consistently and just just finding okay well how I've not I've not solved this problem before and it might be you know it could be more obvious that it's something that's craft related and how do we do this thing with a given technology like Magento or whatever we're working with or how do we solve this digital piece for this customer or how do we win this customer. You know, what do we need to do to pitch this customer? What processes do we need to put in place to, to make that work? What what works? What doesn't work? What do we need to do in terms of uh, our accountants? What do we need to do in terms of legal support? What do we need to do in terms of HR? How do we hire someone? If you've never hired someone before, you know, what happens first is you just get people to work for you that you know. Yeah. You know, it sort of starts there, doesn't it, really? And But you go through a, you know, um, that, that sort of journey that you have to go on. And I think that's... That's from, again, not that I've got all the experience in the world, but what I do appreciate and respect more now is the experience that you get for doing something for a long time. And time served just matters because it does. And if you've been there and you've seen it before, it's easier to pick out what you need to do next time or it's easier to say, well, actually, this will work or that won't work. Um, And also, I'd say that I've been, I think, really lucky over the years that I've had numerous people... That, that have been there and done it before people like yourself that has taken the time out to speak to me when I've asked questions and my questions have usually been quite pointed and I'm trying to get an answer on something um, but I, I'm very grateful that people like yourself have given me time and gone well actually you know what about x y and z or have you thought about this this and this and not that they've necessarily given me the answer um, but but uh, that's played a big part in in us getting to where we are and me as an individual as well. Yeah, that's that's good. I mean, it's, it's very kind of you to say that. But again, that's part of the purpose of this podcast, John. That we're trying to put um, meaningful content out there for um, you know agency owners, maybe not just agencies, business owners, um, and and get them to understand that you know we've all been through that journey. Um, none of us have done it without battle scars. We've we use the map room as a as a military analogy, but none of us done it without battle scars. And I think also it is that. It's not just the desire to learn, it's the ability to learn. So what you're saying is, look, you know, I did these things. I I didn't have an I didn't have any grand plan. I was moving in a direction. I knew I wanted something. Um, and every step of the way, I was finding a new way to do something. But I think this part personality and part process of, okay, I've learned from it. Um, I'm interested to know whether in those early days, were you one for documenting? So i.e. did you have a process you mentioned recruitment did you develop a process for recruitment did you develop a process for pitching um, you know responses loosely speaking yes um i think documenting plays its part but realistically processes change and it's more about managing change than writing down what you did last week in my opinion so it's so it's you know I said before like failing forward okay like how can we get a little bit better so I think if if processes started to happen it was because we we were we were just improving 
as we went or learning by osmosis off each other the people that were in the business at the time um there, there was an element as well like i probably i feel like i've maybe missed it out is that i mentioned timing certainly but we were in the right time at the right place and if we if we did one thing well we cottoned on to magento as a technology very early on and i think it's it'd be easy for us to believe our own hype and say oh, we just got together a great group of people that were better engineers or better creatives or better digital people than anyone else i think we would be believing our own hype if that was the case and in actual fact the market conditions that were created because of a technology in magento that was just at the right point in terms of its own life cycle we were there at the right time we jumped onto it maybe there was a little bit of foresight from a couple of us where no pun said, intended <laughs> exactly right <laughs> i have to trip that into every conversation now we can come back to that um but um yeah there was there was um uh, uh, let's let's just say a, an idea that this technology was going to take off we saw something in it strangely enough I'd, I'd also worked in another business myself in my earlier 20s where a couple of key technology partners in my opinion were the reason why that business worked so applying the same thinking yeah. to a to a digital agency and aligning ourselves with the technology if you look back to you know, sort of 2008, 2009, 2010, when we were getting it going, that was more unusual for digital agency then. But if you look around now, the number of mm. agencies that are Magento agencies yep. or Shopify agencies yep. or big commerce agencies, it's commonplace. Yeah. A solution integrator, as they call them. Yeah. But back then, you know, I mean, it's not that long ago, I don't yep. think, but, you know, just over a decade ago, that was um, less, less what was happening and people were building bespoke platforms and, mm doing more creative and you know it was very common to find very broad agencies and not people that had gone you know technology led so if we did one thing early on we cottoned on to that early on and i'm not saying that we were the only people that did it like there yeah. was there was other people that did it and in all honesty there's other people that did it way better than us as well um that that formed some of our thinking for how we've grown over the course of the last few years to be honest brilliant there's a few things there i'd, like, I'd probably like to pick up on which is one of the things that I nearly said at the sort of introduction was I, I've often seen you as what I call an outlier and people sometimes see that as negative. But if you read Malcolm Gladwell's book about outliers, it talks about two things you've said there. One is there is a reason why after 10,000 hours people become expertise in something, you know. Mm-hmm. You two or Cristiano Ronaldo, whatever you want to say, doing something so repetitive and just that little improvement time and time again. But it also talks about the the opportunity in the times. So it talks about, you know, the highest billing legal firm in the world. Why did that happen at the time? It talks about the fact that, you know, Bill Gates went to a college where they were fortunate enough to have already built a mainframe, et cetera, et cetera. So it, it talks about the two things. It talks about the, the personality required, but the opportunity and the timing has to be right. And I find that fascinating because I've had some of that um uh, you know, in, in my career, and, and I think it's, I think it's um, important to recognise that timing is a huge part of it. Yeah. Um, but also, the, the the second part relating to what I believe I see a lot in the agency is, you know, we will say to a lot of our clients when they're going on a journey of scale about specialising in niche, and it's almost perceived as a negative, because very often agencies are the flexible partner for a client. Um, can you do this? Yes, I can. Uh, 
but that doesn't mean you can do it well. It doesn't mean you can do it to your standards. It doesn't mean it suits your values, your culture, all those things. But I think there's lots of agencies for whom they find it difficult to say no to a client. And I can count on one hand those that I can see have gone through a... Um, and as you say, it might not be a plan from the outset, but quickly pick up on a plan. And those who accelerate that plan are the ones who stick to the knitting. They agree on something. As you say, it's either a tech stack or it's a something else, or it's a philosophy, or it's a methodology. But it's something that they say, this is what we are going to learn our craft about. Yeah. So that's interesting. So actually, when I said maybe you didn't come with a craft, you've developed a craft through Magento and the things and the things that you do. Yeah, I think I think it's one of the things that, um, you know, I'd, I'd seen something somewhere else that I knew that worked in a, not in a, the same, the same industry necessarily, but one that's not too far away. Um, and, and looking back now over the years, you know, I mean, you can get very, I think businesses, we can get very carried away with strategy and like what a strategy is and how, and how we're going to create a three year plan, a five year plan, whatever it may be. And I'm not diminishing that in any way, but what I keep fresh in my mind is that strategy by definition, it's not what you do, it's what you don't do. Yeah. So saying no to things and just going, no, no, that's not, we're not that, we're not that, we're not that with this. And I think that just provides then clarity for not only the type of people and business, well, the other businesses and clients you're going to attract, but also the type of people you're going to attract into the agency as well and the people that want to stay with it. Because if it gets too broad, it's just, it's hard. It's hard to do. You know, I mean, we, we actually feel that a little bit at space now because we've got multiple platforms that we work with. So we have gone a little bit broader for different reasons, but that again is like the life cycle of the business and how yeah. you evolve and change over the years. So, um, yeah, just that that line that you know is is the the best way of summing up strategy. It's not what you do; it's what you don't do. It, it it's fascinating that one of the things that we again the analogy we've used for this podcast is the concept of the map map room, and you can set a strategy out by a series of objectives and track that progress back on a map. But one of the things that um, you know I often talk about is particular strategy is that concept of basically what is the crosshairs. So, you know, we worked in, uh, um, you know, a business of, of, of my own that uh, subsequently sold. We sat there and literally put all these projects on walls and by asking sets of questions, pulled the post-it notes off the walls. So we ended up with what we referred the sweet spot. Yeah. And we do that a lot now with, with clients on strategy. It's not necessarily the plan of, I want to grow by this, I want to increase, I want to, you know, create this enterprise value of this side. All that matters, but the most important thing is, how are you going to do that you know in line with everything else and one of the things that we're talking about in another episode um when we talk about psychology is just because you can doesn't mean you should and yeah. it's, a, it's a similar thing really so interesting I, I think if you look at sticking with that for a second if you look at if you if you whiteboard your business as you as you're suggesting there and you look at the things that kind of sit just outside of that sweet spot that probably leads you to where the business change should be, both in terms of processes, technology you work with, customers you work with, suppliers that you work with, partners that you've got. And that that sort of um, that's outside of the sweet spot is actually where your business change should be. Mm. And it's that it's that change that you're looking for where you can make some critical decisions. And it's usually the stuff there that'll actually you'll think, oh, that's gonna sting a bit because I've got to say no to that thing or you know, should I really say no to that? Because we, you know, and you start compromising because you go, yeah. oh, oh, say yeah, okay, I'll do it because we needed to bring the money in, or oh, yeah, we'll do it because it's such and such a friend will employ that person. Mm. You know, so um, I think I think that that helps people get to a place of making decisions around 
doing things or, or not doing things or changing things in your business. Okay, well, let, let's move on from that now. So we've gone through the sort of early challenges and you, um, you know, sort of paraphrasing, finding your way and finding a route and, you know, early on uh, locking into technology that you had. Um, and then I want to talk about the next thing really, which I think is spoken about a lot um, across all businesses, spoken about a lot in this sort of agency space, particularly and, and, and in digital, and there's this concept of scale. Um, I think it's worth putting on the record at this point that, you know, with MAP having been on part of that journey with you, um, it's been, uh, you know, we have supported and, and we have documented, so we have seen the evidence of, you know, the scale that you've achieved. And you, ha- and you have achieved some pretty stellar growth, John. And I know you said there, you know, we've done all this, but but in terms of benchmarking, I'm never a fan of benchmarks. I always say the best ben- benchmark is your own plan, and you've probably heard other people say that. Um but you know, I think I think it's worth respecting and putting on record that you know you you today you run and you own um, an agency that is of scale, and that is not that common. There are lots and lots of agencies that get to a certain size, and for many reasons, personality, all the things you've said, comfort blankets, whatever, never break through that. And I, and I think that you know you have delivered year on year growth, and I think that you know today I'm interested in understanding your view on scale you know whether you recognize that scale at the time um and you know again this sort of different challenges because i've i've spoken before on and you you said there about your team your partners whether it's your accountants or other legal partners what was right as a startup might not be right for a scale up might might not be right for the next part so talk me through about how maybe your mindset and the kind of challenges you've had to face have changed as you've gone in this scale up phase a big question to answer, I suppose. But um, how's my mindset changed? It's changed a little bit. Um, you know, I think I think the the goal of continuing just to create something that's great. I didn't necessarily ever have the goal to you know one day sell the business. Although I thought, well, if I create something good, the likelihood of it is at a certain stage in its life cycle, something's going to change. Um, I mentioned earlier that I think of, I think of myself as a solid six out of ten, and I genuinely mean that. I'm not I'm not just trying to be humble or whatever. Um, but but um, funny enough, I listened to um, I listened to a, a podcast, um, the High Performance Podcast, and I listened to the interview. I know you're a rugby league fan. I listened to the Kevin Sinfield one. Yeah. And there's a part in that where he talks about um, uh, it goes back to being nine years old actually. Uh, I think he's playing for under nines or under tens and representing Lancashire. And he's taken a trip up to Oldham or wherever and managed to get a run out as a substitute. Wasn't happy with it and ends up going back uh, the following year to, to try out to play for Lancashire. And he's thinking to himself, how can I make sure that I stand out today? Because he's looking at the lads he's playing with who are all, I suppose, really, he considers them to be really good. Yeah. And the way that he does it is by um, is by encouraging those people around him. So for the tryout for the 40 minutes that he has this tryout, all he's doing is helping other people around him encouraging people pushing people forward trying to you know trying to get the best out of people that are around him and um they made him the captain the following season and what he said after that was that he was then the captain of every team that he ever played for but he pinned it back to that moment when he was nine or ten years old and i just thought it really resonated with me because yeah. i thought well i'm kind of saying i'm a six out of ten and i genuinely believe that um but if I've done anything well, other than just keeping going and working hard, it's working with people around me and helping them to be the best. So if yeah. I've got come across someone who's a very good practitioner, whether an engineer, a project manager, 
a creative, whatever it may be, if I can help them be a better version, or if they're like a nine and I can help make them a 10 just by, in most cases, having a chat to them, finding out about how they're getting on with lives, like what makes them tick. Believing in them is a big thing. Yeah, yeah, just giving them, you know, in some cases, giving them belief and just saying, well, you know, why have you got this, you know, in most cases, I sit with some people who I think are very talented and I think to myself, it's like they've got a, an issue with confidence yeah. here and I can't, I can't see why because they're very good at what they do and they might even be just been comparing themselves to someone else and I'll just say yeah. something as simple as, well, don't worry about what everyone else is doing, you know, you just do you, which is, which is the way I think yeah. at least about business. Um, so, yeah. Just jump in on that one. Fascinated because I heard that again. I've listened, not listened to that podcast specifically, uh, but I heard something recently with. So Kevin's moved on to uh, Leicester Tigers Rugby Union, who were you know had Saracens not broken the salary cap and got relegated, they will have been will have been relegated. They went from bottom of the league to winning the Premiership last year, being unbeaten at home, and he's come in as technically a defensive coach. But when asked at the end of the season what difference did he make, all the players said that. He said he just took time. He took time to talk to us. He was the first person who came in and, you know, took time to understand our families. He, you know, he remembers all the names. He knows the personal things. And he just made them tight as a group, you know, and, and, and I agree with you. I think the difference to that is, you know, and, and go back to, again, that you know, this in terms of the audience for this podcast, in terms of business owners. You know, you look at some of the people who've built some of the fantastic businesses in the world, and their skill is actually that. Their skill is just either uh, building a team or getting that team to perform. They're not the, you know, you, you know. I think you're a United fan, you know. I am. That's okay, so you're going through that challenge at the moment where it's it's about how do you get that manager who brings that team together. And that manager is not going to be, you know, the best goal scorer, the mm. best defender, the best whatever. So anyway, we're slightly off subject, but fascinating. Two things I wanted to cover in your sort of scaling up journey. I remember a few years ago, so going back now, um, uh, probably three or four years, um, you were growing organically, but you also made an acquisition, which again is not that usual in, in the space. Um, from memory, I think it was a business down in Bath, something yeah, like that. Yeah, Mean B, who were called. Okay. Or they the, are called. Say again. Mean B. A mean B. Okay. So talk us a little bit about what was that? Was it a was it a separate technology? Was it an opportunity just to get territorial growth, different market space? Talk through the the reason why that made sense for you. And again, what what challenges did it bring you? What decisions did you need to make as you went through that? Well, first of all, the the idea of doing um MA was something uh, certainly we discussed as a business. It was something that I was I guess attracted to more than perhaps others in the company, um, and we started thinking. Or I, I funnily enough, I did a, uh, I did a um, a program with Goldman Sachs called Ten Thousand Small yep. Business. So I'd gone through that process, which is actually quite good from a theoretical perspective. It's like I did everything backwards because I did business, and then I did this this sort of gold, uh, Goldman Sachs program, which was great. Um, but one of the challenges in that, or what you end up coming out with, like the dissertation or the output, is a is a is a business plan. So it's like a six seven thousand word business plan, which is catching dust somewhere when you're <laughs> laughing about the strategy before. Um, but one of the things that that identified for growth in there, and the idea was to get to become a ten million pound business in five years, with two million two million profit was the was the what it felt like the lofty goal at the time. And one of the uh, ideas around growth was through mergers and acquisitions, and the reason why we felt or I felt that was uh, a viable option is that when I look at the a digital agency space in the UK it's very fragmented yeah 
Um, not not only in terms of technology, but um, scale of agency, talent, people that are in different places, and, and what very that... regionalised as well in my experience. I think that's fair, regionalised, mm. whether it's regional, city, even city-based, mm. you know, people in certain specific cities. Um, so, funnily enough, when I, when I did this uh, piece of work with Goldman Sachs, there was there was a list of... I, I, wrote, I wrote why I thought that was a route forward, and I wrote a list down of agencies that I thought we could acquire. And one of them that I actually wrote down was, was mean, but no one be known to me at the time, they were, they were actually considering what they were going to do as a business. So then there was a... Uh, a perchance conversation I knew Tom uh, who's now our innovation director funnily enough but I knew Tom from the sort of ecosystem um, he'd actually come to speak at an event that I put on as well a couple of years before that so we'd built a relationship through something else that we'd done and uh, I just got in touch with him and it was a general conversation like a how are things going and I couldn't quite work out if I was going to pitch him to say yeah. well what do you think about this but he happened to say you know, I said, how are things? And he said, oh, we're just sort of considering what we're doing. And the conversation was along the lines of, well, you know, we're considering, should we should we carry on doing yep. what we're doing? And um, it just went from there, really. You know, we had a relationship in place. So it was, it was a, I guess, easy to do in, in some ways. Um, both uh, Space 48 and Mean Bay and, and the people involved in getting it done, myself included, were complete novices. We'd never bought a business before. So... So we were we were fumbling around really. It was like the worst first date, first date you've ever seen. Um, but we learned from that, and we went through the process. And there was lots we learned. There's lots that you know now you know that we've gone on. There's another acquisition yeah. that we've done. So there's a lot we there's a lot that we learned from that that doing that that first time. Um, that that we now are able to apply further down the line, and we've professionalised it a little bit. Um, I'll say a little bit. We're, we're learning all the time. I think what's also interesting there is what you said earlier about bringing people along you've just said there so you've bought a business and the people in that business are still involved in senior positions in space 48 i think that's part of again from the outside looking in part of your journey john and paul about success is that is it is creating a larger business lots of people um the reason i asked the question the way i did the answer is lots of people do an acquisition because they want to you know i want uh, I want North, I want South, yeah. you know, I want, you know, Magento and Bagento or I want, you know, I want those kind of things. But very often those areas fail when it's not about are these people complementary to our business? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can we create a more powerful and more go back to your podcast, a more high performing team? And yeah. that's when they, that's when they, that's when they really, really work. Uh, you mentioned there and you said, um, you know, I'd, we'd met him at an event to put on and that's my next question on my list really. Um, I'm assuming, tell me if I'm wrong, that event was your Magic Titans. Yep. I'm really interested in that because um, one of the great quotes that's on your website is, um, you know, 250 people turned up and the rest is history. So talk us a little bit about that and, uh, you know, where the idea came from, what it did, and fundamentally what it has done. A, it got you that acquisition, which is great. Yep. But what else has it done for your business? So, um, first of all, where the idea came from, um, at the time we were we were trying to put an event on as a business and we were, we were tiny at this point. We were, this would have been back in 2014, 2015, yeah, 2014, I think it was. And uh, we were trying to put, a, so we'd have been like, I don't know, 15 people or something. And we were trying to put an event on. And in, in all honesty, the purpose of the event we were trying to put together was about bringing clients in, talking to them about what we do and really, well, winning new customers fundamentally. And um, we were trying to cobble this together between 15 of us. And 
you know when you're trying to do something and it just feels like you're walking through treacle? Yeah. That's honestly the way it felt. And I was sort of, in all honesty, I think pushing the agenda and saying, well, what about doing this? What about doing this? What about doing this? It just felt too difficult. So um, I think I had a weekend to sort of think it through and I said, oh, well, let's catch up again next week. And as you do, you know, it was a a meeting that I think we'd, we'd just, you know, had a chat about things and oh, it was nice to catch up and we'll speak again next week. So no, no actions really. And I came away from the meeting and I thought to myself, why is this so difficult? Like, if something's this difficult, it's probably the wrong thing. We should probably not do it because nobody enjoys walking through treacle. And that weekend I thought about what were the real problems or challenges that existed in the business. And not only not only the challenges that we faced as a business, but what did the wider the wider sort of agency world face? And when I looked at it, I thought to myself, well, you know, the biggest challenge that we face right now is learning. It's training and development because we're in an industry with Magento at the time where it's still young. There's not enough people with enough skills. Everyone's finding it difficult to recruit and bring people in. And I mean, I don't mean just bring people into your business. I mean, bring people into the industry. Yes. Like the problem's bigger. So I thought to myself, well, if we were to put an event together that was about learning and development and it was a way of being more connected um, and more collaborative with with the sort of ecosystem that I'm surrounded by, well, we're all going to win because creating an environment where more people can learn and develop is a great thing. Cards on the table, there is a byproduct of us do, of being the individual or the people that did that. Yep because everyone will see that you were the connector that was sat in the middle yes, of it all. Yes, And you've made the problem, you've shown a light on the problem and said, well, everyone's got an issue with this. Everyone's got an issue with training and development. Everyone's trying to learn and keep up the curve with what's going on with this tech. And we're all in businesses that are like 10, 15, 20, 30 people. We've all got the same problem. Um, and we're all, you know, it'd be easy for us to all to cite recruitment's the issue. Well, actually recruitment's not the issue. The problem's bigger. And that that's just that we've not got enough skills in the industry. Um, it coincided with a conversation that I'd had with Katie and Rachel at Manchester Digital as well. And they were talking to me about things that they were trying to do locally. And that just made me think, well, actually, yeah, there's a way of doing this and actually connecting locally as well, where I could go to Manchester Digital. I've not got a clue about setting up an event and what you need to do to run an event of any kind of scale. So I guess I was, you know, at that point, the person in the middle that went to Manchester Digital and said, hey, I've got this idea, had some connections or a little bit, I'm not going to say I had a profile necessarily because I usually I keep myself to myself, but I knew a couple of people and I felt like I could reach out to people that were uh, known influencers, let's yeah. say, if that's what they were, you know, sort of um, craftspeople, practitioners yep. that are very well respected, that, are, you know, everyone follows what they say on, on, on social media. And I got in touch with a couple of people that were sort of the, I guess, the biggest names in the world. A chap called Vinay Kopp from Germany, a chap called Ben Marks, who was from Magento over in the US, and everyone knew these two. So it's almost like signing the big DJs to come to your yeah. concert, and then yeah. everyone's going to go, right, well, yeah, I'll come and listen to these yeah. people, because what these, what these people say yeah. is, uh, it makes sense. Uh, we had the idea, we brought it together. Again, you know, maybe right place, right time, identified what the real problem was rather than, you know, recruitment being just the thing. But obviously the byproduct of doing it, then you can reach out to people 
that's how me and Tom got to know each other. He spoke yeah. at the first Mage Titans. He was, in my opinion, and he'll laugh if he's listening, he'll laugh at this, but I saw Tom as like one of the poster boys in the Magento world because of the, the cool stuff they were doing. Yeah. Really strong practitioners, really good engineers, really carved out a good brand that was doing good things, but an agency that, like Space 48, was subscale. Right, and as you said before, there's loads of agencies mm. that are, that are subscale that are, you know, five, ten, fifteen, twenty people even, but it's all subscale, and that comes with its limitations for what you can create for people. So, from that initial connection and what Mage Titans did for us, you know, yes, there was there was um, does it does it? People have said to me, "Oh, is it a recruitment tool?" And I've said, "Well, it's not an out and out recruitment tool because I'm not going to the event and saying, hey, do you want a job?'" Yeah, you know, it's not it's not that brash. But is there a, a, a positive um, message that's happened as a result of that? And have people seen Space 48 in a good light and joined us as a result? Well, I'd say yes. Yeah. Um, would we have acquired Mean B back in 2017 if we'd have not done that? Probably not. So just by bringing it back to the, the big problem, mm-hmm. you know, what's the real big problem in the industry? And and keeping, keeping in mind making that event, you know, about helping people connect with each other being the person who's connecting the people in the middle and finding ways of you know helping people be more collaborative to solve the bigger problems i think that that helped raise space 48's yeah. profile eventually um so it was part it's part of a part of a good journey and it, and it led to that you know that acquisition of um of mean b um uh, of you know, and they weren't big at the time either. By the way, they were about six people, and of those six people that we that started with the business in 2017, well, there's still three people in the business now. Right. So we're five years down the yeah. line, and yeah. still three of the. Yeah. Up until a couple of months ago, there was actually five. Yeah. So there's a couple of people that have dropped off yeah. over the last year, yeah. but again, Space 48 is going on its yeah. own journey, and yeah, you go through different stages yeah. of growth. Yeah. So yeah, and again you know this this is uh, just an observation not necessarily about this but you know there's also that technicality sometimes of dependent and I don't expect you to comment on the structure of that deal but very often um, for other people that are listening the five year is the change with lots of people so if they've had equity in the other vehicle and that's been done you know I've done that in the past where after that five years you can then you know cash in on that and and get the uh, the, uh, the not the tax relief, but the the uh, the capital gains piece rather than yeah. uh, so that that that's off that's often the case. So I do I do think there though, John. Again, you've said you know the things coming out loud here is is you wanting to understand the process. So there are there are lots of agencies who perceive their role in the world is to solve that problem, and if they can't solve that problem, the problem just gets ignored. And what you're saying there is, look, you know, I recognised and I therefore thought there'd be others in my similar boat to me that would recognise that the industry had a problem, potentially from the buyer side on the supply side, and we and we chose to do something about it. But I also think there's something, you said some key words, AC, you know, about profile and keeping myself to myself. But I don't think you could have done that had you been the egotistical business owner. You know, I've seen lots of people in the past who've stood up on stage and, you know, I've I've found this problem. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And what you're saying there, which is not dissimilar to maybe why you resonated with Kevin Sinfield, you said, you know, I, I can't do this on my own. I'm not going to pretend to do it all on my own. I'm going to bring people together. And I think that will have shown people... Um, you know, technology partners, other people like the acquisition and potential future employees that there's there's a culture that you've developed. And I think that culture has been 
paramount or a big cornerstone of the success you've had. Mm. But it's interesting when you think back and, and through the, the journey that you've gone and all those things came, came along, really. Um, I'm conscious on time. We're running about 40 minutes, so I'd like to just um, maybe end end up with a few bits and pieces. Um, obviously, one of the... Um, you're, you're now in a position that, again, is fairly unique in this space. And one of the things that I often say to people is... Lots of people come to us and say, look, you know, can you help me or can you help, you know, physically help me in terms of, um, you know, M&A activity, corporate finance activity? Can you help me put a plan together in terms of selling my business? And I say to everybody, look, um, you know, I've been fortunate to do that on, on numerous occasions before. I can come and talk to you about that, but I can also talk to you about the times when it didn't happen. And most the facts are these things often don't happen. And so I often say to people that one of the... Uh, options that I think is important as the business owner and entrepreneur is what I call that value extraction. How do you create something that gives you more options? And and I just say, oh, you know, uh, I want my cake and eat it. Don't laugh, that's obvious. But, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I want more than one ticket in the raffle. So I want the options to do things. So, you know, you've, you've gone through a process now where, you know, I'm sure there were other options. You can tell, tell me about that, whether you thought, you know, we'll sell at the time. And you've gone for what I would call an investment opportunity. So um, Foresight have come along. Uh, again, we don't need to, you know, it's not appropriate to discuss, uh, you know, details and percentages. I'm sure if people want to look in companies' house, they can they can see those kind of things. But somebody came along and made an investment in your business, which um, allowed you, I assume, to extract some value, which is, um, you know, a fantastic result, but then give you this... Um, should we say um, when I say jump start this this then this catalyst maybe to go to another level? So talk us through the sort of options you had at that time and, and why you decided that, that was right, you know, and you didn't want to maybe just you know sail off down the ship canal or whatever. Um, so we had um, what what started the uh, I guess the process, if you will, is a, an approach from a trade buyer. Now we'd had a couple before. I think any you know, sort of decent agency gets to a certain size and there's going to be people that are going to show an interest. And they'd not really been one before this point that had made me stop and go, mm, OK, that's that's something that I've got to at least look at. I suppose, and, and when that happened as well, the timing of it, you know, it was it was in the middle of 2020. Fortunately, the business was, we were in a good place. You know, we're fortunate to be, to be in e-com again. You know, the luck was on our side. Um... But it was the first time that someone had really given me an indication of what they thought it might be worth that made me stop and think, actually, things can happen in business. Things yeah. can go wrong. Things can run against you. Outside of business, completely out of my control, obviously we sat in the middle of a pandemic at the time, yeah. and you are considering, actually, you know, things can just happen and, you know, you never, you never, you never really know. So at that moment in time when I sort of, took a step back and I could see what I'd been doing for the past decade or so. Um, I thought to myself, well, biggest risk that I've got right now is me not being here. Yeah. And the risk in that in terms of, you know, how I, why I say risk of me not being here is what does that mean for the for my family first and yep. foremost, for my wife and my two kids, which is a big reason why I do what I do. Um and also what does it mean for the business? Like what what would happen to the business in in that situation and how would how would um, other people in the business that I care about a lot that I want to see do well, 
um, appreciate I benefit from that mm. as well. But genuinely, I want to see them succeed and have good opportunities and be rewarded in the right way um, for the for the contribution that they make. What what would happen? So I entertained the conversation just just to get me thinking a bit more about it. And um, uh, fortunately, again, I'm surrounded by and I've had, you know, I guess whether it's happened by luck or by chance or just because there's there's a, a few people around me that I could talk to about the approach. And and um, one of the people that I spoke to, uh, who's, who's actually in the sort of corporate finance world and, and from a legal legal perspective at least, um, uh, said to me, well, you know, is that is that what you want to do? Do you want to sell the business? Because in all honesty, John, I don't see you selling it. Yeah. I went, well, that's a really good point because, you know, what else would I do? Um, and, I, and I'm not ready to give up. I want to carry on doing what I'm doing. I'm not. I'm not the type that says, "Oh, I want to." I say the type. I'm not. I'm not living each day thinking I want to sell yeah. because I've got this dream of retiring yeah. and sitting on a beach. For me personally, that's not what I want. I'd, I'd be. I wouldn't be great to be around because I need something. I need. Yeah. I need something, and I, and I also think that Space Forty Eight's got a lot of legs in it. So. From that conversation, it led to other conversations with a couple of advisors, talking to advisors about what the options might be, and and the the same thing was said consistently that you know do you really want yeah. to sell this? You know, is this the right thing? Is it the right time? And I explained my reasons for looking around, and they said, well, have you considered private equity? Yeah. And in all honesty, this is nothing that I'm not said to anyone else, uh, or to or to uh, to foresight either, or our chairman. Um, uh, I said, oh, I'm not sure about that because I've I've heard some bad stories. I've heard I've seen some things happen with customers that have kind of left me feeling a little bit uneasy. So I, I needed to go on my own sort of journey there yeah. to start learning more about it and learning more about the different types of investors that there are uh, and the way that different investors work and the way that different deals can work yeah. as well. Um, uh, I think it's also worthwhile saying as well, like r- right now Space 48 is performing well and we're in a good place. So I know that that's always going to make it easier for me to talk yeah. about it. I could see how, you know, if if it didn't go as well, like it it'd yeah. be different, and I might be talking differently as well. So um, uh, right now it's it's uh, going in, it is going in a good direction still, which is great. But then going back to the decision making process, from then meeting with some different potential investors, um, I got to a place where I thought this could actually create a really good opportunity for, for me to, like you say, extract some value. The business doesn't necessarily need funding or finance to do some of the things that we want to do. Yes, it does if you want to do more acquisitions. So it's great to have a partner in our corner that, that can help us do that, that's got experience of doing it. So going through that process, the, the boxes that I needed to check were, okay, have I got the right partner to bring in? Are they going to help us with the M&A side of things? What are they going to be like as an as an investor? And we were looking for, you know, a partner that was going to be very supportive, and light touch. I would say, and I think that's that that's definitely what we've got in foresight is that they're supportive, they're light touch. They kind of let us get on with doing what we're doing, and fundamentally, the direction that we're trying to go in has not changed. We're doing the same things as we we were before. The business is definitely as a result of choosing foresight and bringing a chairman in, Martin. Uh, as our chairman, it's definitely allowed the business to mature. We have it does feel like we've grown up in a sense because yeah. there's this new sort of hierarchy that makes yeah. things different. Um, and 
we've also, as a result of doing the deal, yes, I've extracted some value. We've also brought in um, directors into shareholding as well. So directors were able to buy in. Yep. So so it wasn't we were just giving things away. We were giving them something meaningful on day one. A quick question on that, John. Was that Was that your decision or was that part of... I've seen it with private equity in the past where they want that management team to also have some skin in the game. They they expect that that team to buy in. Was that Foresight's request? Was it your idea, mixture? I'd say they they, they led it. Yeah. In all honesty. Um but but um you know whether they do that with all investments or not, I'm not sure. But it's something that I wanted from day one as well. So when we met during the initial meetings, it's something that we talked about and making sure that there were certain individuals that they want we wanted to look after. But they they led the this is how you do it. Mm. You know they brought that experience of this is how to engage that team. This is the this is the this is the not engage necessarily, but this is the the best way of structuring it. This is something that will really make a difference to them. I think that's fundamentally different when you said the difference between a partner or investor partner and an investor. And when you talk about private equity, and I've been involved in private equity myself in the past, is that there's a difference between private equity and private equity for the right reasons and what I would call the old vulture capitalists. Mm -hmm. There's a big mixture there. Um, But again, in the same way that we're going back to the same sort of concept here, maybe why this was the right partner for you, in the same way that you know, the the captain of the team brings him around them, you know, the right partner does want, because they are investing in that management team, but rather than do it selfishly and say, okay, we're going to have the biggest piece of the pie and we're going to tell you what to do, they know that their ultimate return will be greater if you as a collective are all incentivised and on board and, and have someone's kid in the game as well. So, again, I think that's, as you say, the experience and their model, but probably also why that culture and that fix has worked, and that partnership has worked so well for you. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, it's um, it's just been a good, a good, a good mix of people. I think. Okay, fascinating. I, I, it's been an amazing conversation, but I'm conscious that not only are taking a lot of your time, John, we take a lot of our listeners' time, and we always say we try and keep this uh, to less than an hour, 40, 40, 45 minutes, really. Um, I think you've just explained that the sort of hierarchy's changed, and I was really interested in understanding what your board's made up now and how and how maybe your decision making has changed. But maybe that's a conversation for another day. Um, two things I, I really wanted to finish on in the last sort of couple of minutes is two questions really. Um, obviously, as I say, I really appreciate the time you've given us today, um, a in support of our podcast, the Map Room, but also uh, in terms of the takeaways that hopefully listeners will get. But again, my extensive research department, my wife, um, tells me that. Uh, you're not new to not you are not new to podcasting. In fact, have your own podcast. Tell us a little bit about the space bar. <laughs> um, I wouldn't say it's my 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 uh, my podcast. To be honest, the space bar. It's been a it's been a brainchild of another couple of people at Space Forty Eight. So um, shout out to a few people: Pete Robertshaw, Molly Smith, um, Paul Casey. I'll probably be leaving someone out, but I know that lots of different people. Stephen Keneally. There's a lot of different people that have contributed to that podcast either individuals from the business. I have been part of it. I know I've done a couple of interviews on there. I interviewed our chairman. I interviewed the CEO of um, Big Commerce, Brent Bellin, which was a really good, really good, um, really good episode as well, actually. So, um, so yeah, it's uh, something that um, I think it's been, I think it's been, I, I, I hear a lot of people comment on it. Um, we're all trying to do it in one way or another, aren't yeah. we? And it's yeah. not something I'm on all the time, but... Um, 
and what's what's the sort of reach for it? Is it so you spoke before about you know Magic Titans came from you know facing the industry? Is this about as you say sharing that knowledge wider? Is it aimed at uh, is it aimed at the at the client end? Is it aimed at the buyers? Aimed at retailers? Is it aimed at the technology? Is it a mixture? I think it's a mixture. Certainly, of the ones that I see that go on there, like this part partner partner content type material, knowledge sharing. We 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 did one on the acquisition that we did of Braid the Skies, which is the agency we acquired earlier this year. Um, really, just um, I th- I think I think it's about communicating. We're having that constant mm. conversation with the market, and what I mean by that is Space Forty Eight are putting their their profile out, their brand, and that's that's you know Space Forty Eight yes. has its identity. Uh, not I'm not really a brand person necessarily, but I associate with what I see Space Forty Eight doing rather than you know you see other businesses that are perhaps more about specific individuals. It's okay. more about a, a collective or a group of people that are sharing different content. So last question for the day then: What is next for Space Forty Eight? What's next? Um, well, there's lots of things that we're working on at the moment. Um, you know, in terms of like where we're up to now, there's there's um, uh, obviously we've got Space Forty Eight, and we uh, acquired a, a Shopify agency called Brave the Skies. Um, so time, effort, and energy spent helping those guys along with their journey. Collectively, now we're a business of 120 people there wow. thereabouts. Um, there's there's other acquisitions that we're looking at. Uh, certainly, I'm part of that. Culture will remain to be the number one priority. I'm not saying we always get it right, but it's just a constant thing that I think we have to work on as a business. Um, there's new challenges now that we're bigger as well. You know, it's it's different. You know, every day it's new, but just like when we first started out, you know, every day was new then as well. You've left high school now, John. You're in the big league. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. I'll get found out sooner or later. <laughs> So um, yeah, we'll we'll keep we'll keep pressing forward. Obviously, we're we're part of the um, the journey with Foresight as well. Now um, we're nearly two years into that deal, which has just flown two, by. Two, two years yeah. come, come January, it'll be. So um, yeah, that's just gone by in a, a blink of an eye, really. So um, yeah, we'll just we'll just keep moving forward. The business is growing successfully. Um, we've always got stuff to work on. Um, we've got a, a company get together because we're all remote as well now. Don't yeah. mention that. So we're all still remote as a business, um, but we've got a, a company get together. It's a summer social, but I think it's on the first day of autumn. It's on like the twenty twenty first of twenty uh, first of September or whatever it is. Um, so yeah, um, just just keep on going, keep plodding forward. Fantastic. Well, listen, as I say, I do really do appreciate your time coming today, John. I think you've um, you've gone on an amazing journey so far that I think whether our listeners are starting that journey, whether they're some way on that journey, whether they're aspiring to do their first acquisition, whether they are seeking investment, uh, you might get lots of people now, now you said you do more acquisitions, you might get lots of people knocking on your door. Um, but I think it's been really valuable. So all I would like to do is say thank you again. So uh, you've been listening to me, Shoot Brown with The Map Room and our guest today, John Waddle. John, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. The Map Room has been brought to you by Map, the outsourced finance function for digital agencies. Subscribe via your usual podcast app to never miss an episode.